Mark is the first of the written Gospels and the one that establishes the life of Jesus as a story form. Mark develops this story of Jesus from his early life, beginning with his cousin John the Baptist preparing the way, moving through the main points of his life and ministry and culminating with his death. About 40 years separate the death of Jesus from the writing and appearance of Mark's work, which was about AD 66 or 67. Of course, there is no doubt that in the gap, stories about Jesus were being passed on by mouth by his Christian followers, as was the custom at that time. In Mark's Gospel, there is an emphasis on action. The book moves along fairly briskly, far more so than the other Gospels. It's noticeable. Mark has been accused of showing Jesus scattering miracles like rice at a wedding. The result being a book with maximum impact for people who knew very little about Jesus and nothing about the new Christian faith. Maybe why it is often called the missionary book. 90% of Mark appears in the other Gospels, the striking difference being that Mark only quotes the Old Testament in one place, right at the beginning, and doesn't refer to Old Testament law, indicating strongly that the book was written for a non-Jewish audience, probably the Romans. From the reading from Mark this morning, it seems that Jesus had gone into the region around the Decapolis, because after the healing of the deaf and mute man, commanding the people around him not to tell anyone, Jesus had hoped for a rest in a quiet place with his disciples. However, Jesus could not escape from the desperateness of those in the increasing crowds that were following him. They had been with him for three days now, even though without food and hungry. Humanly speaking, this crowd would be annoying and burdensome. But Jesus was not burdened at all. Instead, he felt compassion for them. Putting aside his plan to rest, he called his disciples to him and tells them, I have compassion for these people. They have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them hungry, home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. He felt their pain and sorrow as his own. I have compassion for these people. Why did Jesus share his feelings here with his disciples? Because he wanted them to grow as compassionate shepherds for God's people. Of all the things they had to learn from Jesus, having a compassionate heart was the most essential. For compassion is surely one of the most important attributes of God. God introduced himself to Moses as the Lord, the Lord. The Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. He called himself compassionate first of all, for if God treats us with justice only, no one can survive. But God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Rather, he treats us with compassion, showing us his mercy. How did the disciples respond to Jesus? When Jesus shared his heart with them, they were moved to engage willingly. So they answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? The disciples were not rebellious. They were cooperative. It seemed these men had moved on from that earlier miracle 
when Jesus fed the five thousand. Then they had replied to him, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can buy themselves something to eat. Instead, here, they are concerned about people being hungry. Although, practically speaking, they could do little. It was a remote place, and they were surrounded by thousands of hungry people. And Jesus clearly wanted them to learn how to both face and overcome impossible situations. He wanted them to understand that nothing is humanly impossible that cannot be made divinely possible. How many loaves do you have, he asks them. Here, his question turning their minds from impossibility to possibility. So they bring out seven loaves, which was most likely food for themselves. And there can be no doubt that seven loaves and some fish must have seemed very inadequate in view of the problem, the thousands to be fed. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks for them, then broke them and gave them to his disciples. He did the same with the fish, and then asked the disciples to distribute the food. There were about 4,000 men present, we are told, and everyone ate and was satisfied. Again, as with the feeding of the 5,000, we do wonder about the women and the children, but that is not for this morning. God's blessing was overflowing. There were seven baskets of leftovers. Jesus then sent the crowd away and got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha in Galilee. The feeding of the 5,000 appears in all four Gospels, but the feeding of the 4,000 only appears in Matthew and Mark. Why is this, we ask? Why do they include two miracles of the same kind? After all, if Jesus has already fed 5,000 people, what can really be added by including a second feeding of a smaller number? I can't be the only person who puzzles over this. It does seem odd. The answer is location, location, location. The feeding of the 4,000 is important because of where it took place. Previously, the feeding of the 5,000 takes place near Bethsaida, close to the Sea of Galilee on the northern shore, not far from the River Jordan. In contrast, the feeding of the 4,000 takes place in the region round the Decapolis, the name given to the League of Ten Towns south of the Sea of Galilee, mostly east of the River Jordan called so because of Theca being ten in Greek. So what, we ask? Well, the first region was Jewish, the second region was Gentile, and the symbolism for each miracle is hugely significant. In the feeding of the 5,000, there were five loaves and five fish, representing the five books of the Jewish law. The twelve basketfuls of leftovers collected afterwards, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. In the feeding of the 4,000, there were seven loaves and seven baskets of food remaining afterwards. The number seven is symbolic of completeness in the Bible. Jews and Gentiles are all invited to eat in the kingdom of God. Jesus has declared himself to be the one to feed all creation. 
The number seven is also reminiscent of the seven days of creation, when God created all humanity. Jesus will de later declare in the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This miracle feeding in the Gospel of Mark today is a preparation for the day when Jesus would have his own body broken like bread upon the cross, offering spiritual and eternal nourishment to all, whether Jew or Gentile, all who call on his name and place their faith in him. In the reading from 1 Kings this morning, Elijah tells the widow of Zarephath, Fear not. The Lord God of Israel has said the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until rain falls on the parched land. And the prophet then speaks to her as if the promise of God was already fulfilled. Go home, he says. First make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. And this remarkable widow follows his instructions and goes in home in faith to do his bidding. Once contemned to hunger, death and suffering, the widow is no longer living under a death sentence. Death is swallowed up in promise, despair in hope. God's gracious gift of salvation, his promise in the form of spiritual bread, which we have again here in the feeding of the 4,000. In a nutshell, Jesus reminds his disciples who he is for his people. In this event, at this time, Jesus is providing for his people and the disciples, who we understand are still a little deaf and blind to what is going on before them, and to who Jesus fully is, and the power of God and what it can do. And the fact that he puts their miraculous bread into their hands to deliver to the people proves he hasn't given up on them at all. Amen.